Greetings. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Bootleg Bar. I wanted to talk about my 2019 in video games. We're about a month into 2020 at this point. I had a lot of time to think and reflect on how my 2019 went, because I played a lot of video games. And so there was a lot of thinking to do about all those video games I played. One of my New Year's resolutions was to keep track of all the games I did play, uh, or at least finish. And I did so. I've got this nice gnarly spreadsheet of all of the 109 games I finished in 2019. And of those 109, I had to review 45 of them. And... 54 of those video games were 2019 releases. So I finished 54 2019 releases last year, and not all of them were great. Unfortunately, as someone who has reviewed video games, you have to review video games that aren't necessarily good. And there's no real way to know that before reviewing the video game, because usually you'll get copies a little early in order to kind of set the stage, so to speak, put that score out there so other people can know what they're getting into, if that makes any sense. So, I figured, for your enjoyment, I would present to you the top 10 worst games that I played in the year 2019. So, without further ado, let's dive right in. Number 10, my 10th worst game of 2019 is kind of an honorable mention. I am cheating a little bit here because number 10 is Anthem. I got to put Anthem on the list. I only played it for like two, three hours. That was it. And that's why it's kind of an honorable mention here. Because out of the 109 games I did finish in 2019, Anthem was not one because it left the worst first impression possible. Not good at all. I uh, popped a subscription for Origin Access Premiere, I think it was. I spent 15 bucks just so that I could kind of rent Anthem and get a taste of it just to see what it was all about, especially um, considering all the hype that was around Anthem and all of the buzz and conversation that surrounded it. And I like Bioware games of years past. I figured I'd jump in and play some Anthem, and that Origin Access premiere got me in a little earlier, but it was rough. It was not in a good state. Uh, at the time, I did not have my new graphics card, which is a RTX 2080. I had my GTX 980, and it could not handle it. It was struggling. And other than that, the load times were just abysmal. We're talking minutes-long loading screens, even when you're not getting booted into a server. Uh, as soon as I got into the game, I had no audio, so I had to exit out, go back in, got back into the intro again. Then the game crashed, so I had to get out, go back in again, this time, the audio didn't work, but the dialogue was working, so I figured, whatever, good enough for me, let's just power through this intro section. I did, uh, read a bunch of lore crap that it was splatting onto the screen, moved on, flew around a little bit, and that was kind of fun. But as soon as that tutorial mission was done, it was just immediately uninteresting and off-putting, because you finish that tutorial mission, and then it's kind of go off and play the game, basically. And so after you finish that tutorial mission, it's the first mission of the game, 
And it does this weird matchmaking system, or at least it did at launch, where it'll want to automatically queue you in with people. And that was if you can actually start queuing up the matchmaking for the first mission or level, because the UI was so atrocious that I couldn't figure out how the heck to match into a game. It was bad. I couldn't figure out what menu buttons I was supposed to be pushing in order to get into the video game and start playing. So I was just fumbling around this map screen for like 10 minutes. How are we in 2019 and having UIs that are barely functional or aren't intuitive? How did we get here? How did this happen? So I put Anthem at number 10. I could not in good conscience put it any higher because I only put a few hours into it. I'm sure if I did finish it, it would be higher on my top 10 worst games of 2019 list. But as it stands, not great. Left an awful first impression. Played it a little bit post-launch because uh, when I had the Origin Access premiere, that was pre-launch. So I figured I'd give it a little shot, play around with it a little bit uh, before then and then after launch as well. And I did not notice any meaningful improvements. Loading times were still trash. It was a laggy mess. Whenever I did match in with other people, the game couldn't perform worth a darn. So, yeah. Needless to say, it left a very bad taste in my mouth. And has turned me off of Anthem for a good long while. There are those rumblings that they're going to put out a 2.0 version or Anthem Next, something along those lines. If we do get there, I would probably be more comfortable popping another subscription to give it a shot and seeing if it's any better to see if BioWare can, you know, scrounge up their ashes and put something together so that EA doesn't just murder them. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't want to see another EA studio get the shaft and unfortunately with the anthem it looks like they were dealt a bad hand and then they dealt us all that bad hand on top of it which isn't great so number 10 anthem worst game of 2019 my number nine worst game of 2019 has to go to untitled goose game so this is the best worst game on my 2019 list that i actually finished i did finish untitled goose game was not feeling it. Did not enjoy it very thoroughly. And one of the main reasons why it's on my top 10 worst games of 2019 list is because it got so much buzz. It had so much hype around it. A lot of people were talking about it. There were a lot of memes on Twitter about it. And that got me kind of excited. I liked the memes I was seeing. I was seeing like that angry crying girl meme. And then they were pointing at the goose sitting at a, you know, table with the plate in front of it honking. And... I was like, you know, I could totally go for a bonkers, off-the-wall, goose-centric video game. And that's not really what Untitled Goose Game is. What it is, is clumsily controlling this goose that waddles around very slowly and causing minor inconveniences to people. That's all you're doing is mildly inconveniencing people, slowly dragging things away from them so that you can check off this arbitrary checklist of things to do. And it's slow, it's clumsy, it's clunky. It doesn't feel good. I didn't really find much of it satisfying. And 
I completely understand why the YouTube and Twitch stream crowd took this game and ran with it because I had way more enjoyment watching three minutes of a YouTube video of someone screwing around with the AI than I did in my entire playthrough screwing around with the AI in order to complete the objectives that were there to complete. Not great. Why did you guys do this? I'm glad it sold well, though. I mean, it's got a great atmosphere, great sense of personality. They got the art style and soundtrack down pat. That's why it's at number nine, but not fun. Why do you make a video game that's not fun? I can see why they didn't give it a title, because, you know, maybe they just didn't have the faith in it. And the YouTube and Twitch community kind of breathed life into what would otherwise be a largely uninteresting splat on digital storefronts across the globe. So, that's how I felt about a title goose game. Number nine worst game of 2019. My number eight worst game of 2019 has to go to Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. This one I had to review. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 Switch exclusive. They brought the franchise back, baby. And they should have left it dead. That's the worst thing I can say about Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is that it does not adequately justify its existence. The game should not have been made. I, I gotta put it as bluntly as that. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is not great. Despite being developed by Team Ninja, Team Ninja knows how to make a video game or two. I believe they've made Ninja Gaiden games. Please fact check that, Bev. I could be wrong. Uh, but they did absolutely make Neo. And Neo is a great game and demonstrates a surprising capacity on Team Ninja's part for making competent hack and slash games, competent hack and slash combat systems. And that's all Marvel Ultimate Alliance is. It's just top down Diablo light, smash things with buttons. With superheroes, a superhero skin on a very dumbed-down Diablo game. Baby's first Diablo is what Marvel Ultimate Alliance is. And, you know, ten years ago, I'd play Ultimate Alliance and be like, you know, this is kind of awesome. But now, Ultimate Alliance 3 isn't that great. They don't move things forward in any big way, which is very unfortunate. Uh, it's just smacking buttons on Marvel-themed things. And it starts out fairly promisingly. You've got the Guardians of the Galaxy that you start out controlling. And, you know, there's a little bit of concern there because it's like, oh, okay, are they just riding off the coattails of the movies here? Everyone loves the Guardians of the Galaxy, so they're clearly capitalizing on that in the opening moments to try and hook... You know, the 50-year-old dads who bought this game to toss in for two hours and then forget they ever purchased at $60. Uh, but it's promising because the characters are quipping, they're talking with each other, and it makes it feel like this might actually be a story. But that very quickly dissolves away as the game just piles on more and more characters there's just so many characters that get thrown at you over and over again. And this game is 12 hours long, but they cram like 30 characters in there. It's ridiculous. And each of the stages has like the, an identical structure. 
because they have to find a way to cram all these characters and all these villains in here and all these boss fights. It's mind-numbing. It's not great because there's no real satisfying story to speak of. They're just hopscotching between all these different Marvel properties so they can throw in, ooh, X-Men, we own them. Plays with some X-Men. Or, hey, Thanos is big. Let's make Thanos the big bad guy. And so he is. But it doesn't feel meaningful. He doesn't have much of a character. He's just kind of there at the beginning, if I remember right. And then he disappears and doesn't show up again until the very end. And then you're just fighting his lackeys for the most part. And even then, you're not fighting his lackeys throughout the entire game. It's not a build-up. It's more of a, hey, you're in a Spider-Man section now, so fight this Spider-Man boss. And okay, you made it past that. Now I guess uh, fight an X-Men boss now, because it's X-Men boss time. And then after you do that, then it'll eventually get to, you know, a sprinkled throughout Thanos Guardian people. I don't know. I... I'm not a huge Marvel guy, so forgive me for not knowing the details here or character-specific names. But, yeah, it's not satisfying. It's not great. Uh, the combat's still button-mashy. There's progression that's not satisfying either. You can level up your characters, but you just, like, level up abilities that are kind of not great to use because they make the screen turn into this chunky, pixely, blocky mess. Because this game runs worse then the Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2 remasters that I think came back came out not too long ago. And it looks a lot worse, too. It doesn't look great. It looks better in docked mode. And I feel the frame rate was more stable there, too. But if you're in handheld mode, take that already diminutive resolution and chunk it up even more. Because as soon as the game gets a lot of effects on screen, it'll use dynamic resolution to ratchet that down. And it's just... a pixely blocky mess and they have this new feature where you can do this ultimate team attack where you build up this meter all uh all three of your teammates i think it is yeah you can unleash it all at the same time and it does this big old explosion effect heavy sequence but it makes the frame rate chug and you can't tell what's happening on screen because that resolution is at its minimum and it looks like garbage it's not good pacing's not great either there's a couple of puzzle sequences that aren't satisfying they're just kind of like oh here's a laser maze figure out how to get through the laser maze or uh there's puzzle boss encounters that are just awful they feel bad because you've got this combat system which is meant to just be button mash smack the thing watch the damage numbers go crazy and have a good time with your 10 year old on the couch but there's a boss battle or two. There's one in particular, which is a puzzle encounter where you have to like pick up rocks and throw it at the bad guy before he becomes vulnerable and you can only get a few hits on him and you have to keep throwing these rocks and dude hits like a truck. If you don't throw a rock at him right away and if you don't get a rock off before one of the random ads hits you, then you've got to wait, bud. You got to wait minutes before you can attack that boss and whittle its health bar down a little bit. Not good. Not good. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, I had, you know, slightly, slightly positive expectations for it. 
because Team Ninja, different team that then made the first two. So I thought they could bring a fresh perspective to it. And with Nintendo Publishing, they've got a solid, you know, guaranteed paycheck in the mail. They know they can sit back and make a decent video game. But that's not what Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is. And that's why it's the number eight worst game of 2019. And I had to review it. I did not enjoy my 12-hour playthrough. And I'm glad that I don't have to play it again. Speaking of happy, I don't ever have to play it again. My number seven worst game of 2019 is another game I had to review. This one very early on in the year. I believe this one was back in January. Yes, it was. January 11th was the last day I played Megalith on PlayStation VR. Megalith. It was a PlayStation VR uh, MOBA. MOBA, Multiplayer Online Battle Arena, in the vein of Dota 2 and League of Legends. But it was bad. It is not as good as League of Legends. It is not as good as Dota 2. And it's not even as good as, like, what, freaking Lord of the Rings MOBA that I bought on PS3 back in the day because I was so excited because I was like, this is going to be the MOBA that I get into, guys. Because I flirted with League a little bit, but... PC wasn't really a platform that I had ready access to. I would play it on like this really crummy laptop a little bit. Loading times took forever. I would I was just grateful that I could get into a match at all, let alone have it not lag into oblivion. So uh I had a PS3 and I thought that this uh Lord of the Rings, what is it, Guardians of Middle Earth or something, uh MMO was going to be mine. Not MMO, MOBA. It was going to be the MOBA I got into. And so I was so excited for it. The day it came out, I went to GameStop because uh, it was like only a digital, only like $15, $20 game, I think it was. And so I was like, this is happening. I'm going to get it. I had to go to GameStop because I didn't have a card. All I had was cash, so I couldn't buy it from the PlayStation Store. So I went to GameStop, bought the boxed copy and that was one of those situations where the box copy did not come with a disc. It was just a piece of cardboard, and then you got your download code. So got my download code, downloaded that sucker, and the player base was non-existent in like 10 hours. And that was exactly the same situation with Megalith, available now on PSVR, and it's not great. The problem with online PSVR games, which Megalith is, it's a MOBA where you primarily play multiplayer unless you're like practicing and training games, is that the the install base is so small. Not only do you need someone who has a PlayStation 4, you need someone who has a PSVR headset who happens to know what this Megalith game is, because I'm willing to bet not, not many of you listening do. They would have had to know that this Megalith game was put out there and they would have to have the 40 bucks, I think it was, 40 bucks for this bare bones MOBA video game on PSVR. They also had to have a persistent internet connection in order to match with you. They had to be in a similar region so that the ping wasn't ridiculous. And they had to be able to stomach all of the movement that's going on, all of this first person movement, because you're put in the first person perspective of these big titan things that are fighting each other. 
firing off abilities and whatnot. And so there's a lot of movement. You want to do a lot of dodging of other Titans' attacks. And so motion sickness is an unfortunate reality of that whole situation. So all of these things combine to make a player base that is almost non-existent. Like, I don't know if you could possibly have a smaller user base than this. And that's why on release date, on release date and the day after, I would try and match into games, couldn't find any. Could not find a single game. On release day, I found a couple games, but the situation is that it's a 2v2 MOBA, two of you versus two of them. And I could only find one other people, one other person, I'm sorry, and when it did that, it would just AI populate the other two Titans. And then it felt pointless. It felt less important. It felt less exciting because you're just shooting robot AI. And the robot AI is robot AI. It doesn't dynamically react like a human would. And the thing Megalith has going for it is that they made a MOBA. You know, you got the abilities, you got the different characters. The different characters kind of have different roles, but not so much so that you can actually utilize them because this is 2v2. You can't create meaningful teams around a team of two, really. You could do like a guy that stuns someone so the other person can come in and smack them some more, but that's about as far as you can get. So... I mean, the characters, like I said, they have abilities. There's little guys that you can smack around a bunch. There isn't any, like, item buying. So this isn't as complex as your typical MOBA. I don't even think you can, like, level up your abilities, if I remember right. I could be wrong. But the result of that is that every game lacks that progression curve that makes something like League of Legends or Dota 2 so satisfying. It makes you want to jump into that next match is that you're basically starting a new RPG character that will level up over the course of this 20-30 minute match. Instead, it's just run into things and start smacking them. That's about all Megalith was. And hit the towers if you can, except you're doing it in VR. And why? I Why would you make this VR game? I feel like it was dead on arrival. Much like Anthem, you're putting this game out to a non-existent user base. And on top of it, you're not providing any sustainability in the event that not many people are playing this game online. So it's just getting put out to pasture immediately. So that's Megalith, the number seven worst video game of 2019. Boy, it could have been all right or decent. But it wasn't because it was online only. So, without with that out of the way, it's time to get into the number six worst game of 2019 that I finished. At the tail end of the year, I got into this one, and that one is Crackdown 3. Crackdown 3, available on Game Pass, thankfully. So I only had to spend five bucks to play this $60 video game. Because yikes, man. Yeesh. The, the Crackdown game that's been in development hell for years, like half a decade at this point, right? It was supposed to be crazy, utilize the power of the cloud for ridiculous destructible environments. That never really happened. But here we are. They made it. They made it happen somehow. And they shouldn't have. 
Why? Why did they even put this out? It's very, very bad. It is incredibly bare bones as an open world game. And my understanding is that it is very one note as a crackdown game. It, my my understanding is that Crackdown 1 and 2 kind of both fill the need and fulfill that role uh, for like open world, jump around, level stuff up, and shoot things that Crackdown 3 tries to. And they're backwards compatible, so why do you even need Crackdown 3 on the Xbox One? Why do you need this? Because it's not great. I have not played Crackdown 1 and 2, but I sure do regret playing Crackdown 3. So when I was a youngin, I had a friend who I would go over to his house, and I'd just sit there and watch him play Crackdown for hours. I could just watch that happen because he would collect the, he would collect the orbs, and he would slowly level up, and then he could slowly jump higher and higher and higher, and that like sense of progression, that sense of like every orb you collect makes you a tiny little bit better, but you collect like so many of them that you're just jumping over rooftops, man, and then you're shooting people and you're collecting the orbs for that. That concept was like crack cocaine to middle school me, elementary school me, even potentially, not to date myself here, but... Yes, give me that. Crackdown 3, the problem is that it does have these orbs and everything like that, and that was satisfying for the first two hours, but as soon as I kind of reached that skill ceiling, that plateau where I could kind of jump wherever I wanted to and however I needed to, then it was just bland, boring, open-world crap. It was uninteresting missions, an uninspired story, boring gameplay that just has you locking on to people and holding down the shoot button. There was a flamethrower flamethrower gun or something like that. There's these beam weapons, right? And the beam weapons do ridiculous damage, but the thing is, is that they have an elemental type, and so they're not effective against like one-third of the game's enemies or something like that. So I just carry two of them. Carry two of the big beam weapons, their ammo capacity is so ridiculous that I had the game on, like, the second to hardest difficulty. It was a breeze. I had no difficulty getting through it whatsoever, and because of that, it wasn't engaging. It was just doing the same mindless open-world tasks over and over. And those mindless open-world tasks were required to progress through the story. There aren't meaningful story missions here. It's just do the generic open-world crap until you unlock a boss fight kill the boss which also isn't interesting because it's just a bunch of random enemy encounters until you eventually get to the boss kill the boss and then you kill enough bosses to eventually kill the final boss and i use the same two weapons throughout the entire game story was garbage terry cruz was in it but he wasn't really utilized much at all uh, played as him for a little bit, but then I was like, you know, there's no real point in me even playing as him. Why not use the character that gets me more uh, XP for my jumpy jump? So I did that and just forgot that my protagonist was even a character and just looked at them as a vessel for me to finally finish Crackdown 3 and to say I experienced it in 2019 and to put it on the tally of games I finished in 2019. I almost wish I didn't. I almost wish I didn't. Crackdown 3 was not interesting, but it's the first Crackdown game I played. 
it makes me want to see what one and two were like because crackdown three should not have existed much like the other games on this list what did i say megalith and marvel ultimate alliance 3 both of which should not have existed another video game uh that i had to review we're in the top five worst games of 2019 here christian's personal list of the top 2019 worst games top five 2019 game what am i saying the top five worst games of 2019 we are at number five and that is the liar princess and the blind prince another one i bet you haven't heard of and that is for good reason uh published by nis america nipponichi software i believe it was this was one that was just kind of farted out onto digital storefronts. There was also a physical copy that I think was like 40 bucks, which was ridiculous. So egregious, the price on The Liar Princess and the Blind Prince. Because it's like this, it should have been $10. It's this janky, 2D, side-scrolling, like, puzzle platformer. I want to call it puzzle platformer, but I have played Flash video games that are miles better than the liar princess and the blind prince uh what what exactly is it like it's, it's just side scrolling uh it's kind of monochromatic it's got this kind of storybook uh gothic look to it um like kind of hand drawn inky the animations are kind of gross though you can like see the hinges that all of the 2D characters are swiveling along and you control a the you control a princess and you have to guide the blind prince to do something i i don't remember don't ask me you have to guide him to clear his blindness i think is the thing and this princess can also turn into a wolf and the controls are stiff despite being just 2d left and right it doesn't feel good you when you you run into enemies throughout the course of the game and you have to beat them up in wolf form by turning into wolf and then just spamming the attack button. And in order to change, you have to stop in your tracks. You have to turn into wolf. You have to stop. And then you have to spam the attack button and all that stopping and starting the stop, turn into wolf attack, stop, turn into princess, continue on again, hold the prince's hand, do the next platforming puzzle, jump in a very floaty fashion. It destroys the pace. And that's, that's something that I suppose I notice a lot in video games I review. I mentioned that for Ultimate Alliance 3, also another game I had to review, is that the pacing just kills me because I just want the game to be over. And it doesn't want to be over because it wants to squeeze as much, as many hours as it possibly can out of its archaic and uninteresting and boring gameplay that they've laid out here. It's not good, not worth the price of admission. The only positive things I can say about Liar Princess and the Blind Prince are the cutscenes. Uh, as you go throughout the game, I think there's like chapters or something. And uh, there's these nice little storybook sections that look nice. They're nicely narrated. It's this cute little fairy tale about this Liar Princess and the Blind Prince. That's not a good name for your video game. It's too long. Please shorten it a bit. But th those were mildly pleasant which stood in stark contrast to the mind-numbingly boring gameplay. There was also a section in The Liar Princess and The Blind Prince where you go through this level, right? And you're just going through, it's fine. 
there's like brambles and lamps in the background. Uh, these lamps are a bunch of different colors. And you're just going through the level, you know, jumping on some stuff, hacking and slashing, but having to stop while you do it so that you can turn into wolf form and kill the enemies and then continue onward. And you get to the end of the level and there's a bunch of counters. There's a bunch of these like uh, one through nine blocks. I think it is. What is that? I like maybe it was like one through 20 blocks and uh, you get to the end and then there's this like sign or something and it says count the lights throughout the stage. And that's when I lost it. I can't handle video games that do this. You get to the like the end of that section and what it makes you do is go back throughout the whole stage look in the background at the colored lamps that are there in the background and figure out how many of each color there were mind-numbing padding what are you doing why are you doing that it's it's egregious stuff like that i can't handle because what i had to do was just be like sigh suck it up because i have to review this video game and walk back through the whole stage, count the lamps, get out a notepad while I'm doing it, come back, slap in those numbers on the on the counters, and then move on with the with the stage. I think there were like two in that area. Thankfully for the second one, I knew to count them, but still, don't put stuff like that in your video game, please. Liar Princess and the Blind Prince is the fifth worst game that I played in 2019. So, we're at the stinkers now. I mean, number five stinker, we just got past. Number four stinker was not only a disappointment, but just a piece of garbage video game. And that is Wolfenstein Youngblood. What is this, the third entry in this franchise, I guess? Uh it's hard for me to call it the third entry because I think initially it was going to be a standalone DLC to Wolfenstein 2 uh, in the vein of Old Blood, which was the standalone DLC to um, the New Order. And the Old Blood is very amusing. Uh, I did enjoy it. Very old school FPS-y in its sensibilities and kind of small scale. You're just walking through the corridors of this castle in order to get out. And there's a bunch of different situations that it throws your way, which was a very nice change of pace when compared to the New Order, which was a little more sprawling and uh, kind of adhered to those new school first person shooter sensibilities, whereas the old blood was kind of a little more older school was uh, in the vein of something like Return of the Castle Wolfenstein. I want to say I did not play that video game, but from my understanding of that video game, I would say the old blood is similar. And Wolfenstein 2, uh, it continues along the New Order track of going the modern video game route, where not only are things more sprawling, but they also blow up kind of the hub area situation because you're in the submarine and you can do side missions while you're there. You can choose locations to go to and set off and do like a side assassination or something like that which is very kind of pseudo-open-worldy. It's not an open-world video game, but kind of feeding you these uh, quickly created uh, sequences that can extend the length of a video game is something that's very 
uh, new agey, I guess, PS4E, late PS3E type type gameplay. But the story in Wolfenstein 2 liked a lot, and I also liked how you could largely ignore that side stuff and get to the meat and potatoes, which were those regular first-person shooter levels beginning to end, murder some people, and then we get to Wolfenstein Youngblood, which I was looking forward to because I liked Wolfenstein 2 a lot. I really did enjoy it, and if it was just more Wolfenstein 2, I was there for it. Uh, I did not get to this one until fairly recently, uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood, right at the tail end of 2019. I got it with my graphics card uh, for free, so I did not have to pay for it, thankfully. Uh, But I was definitely considering paying for it anyway, despite the fact that it was an Epic Games Store exclusive, which, you know, it is what it is. But... uh, Around that time, I think a lot of the reviews basically said that it was a uh, co-op Wolfenstein game, basically. If you liked what uh, New Order and New Colossus were doing, this was that except co-op. But, having played it, that is not what it is at all. It is not Wolfenstein 1 and 2, New Wolfenstein 1 and 2, except co-op. That is not what... Wolfenstein Youngblood is. Do not go in thinking that that is what this is, because that's what I did, and it made me hate this video game even more than I would have otherwise. I did play it by myself, so I had to put up with a brain-dead AI, but I kind of knew that that was going to be the case going in. But it also highlighted and accentuated all of this game's endemic problems. It is bad. Wolfenstein Youngblood is. So, allow me to explain to you why it's so bad. Uh, The gameplay is first-person shooting, but it's garbage. So they tacked on levels and leveling up in this Wolfenstein video game. So, in Wolfenstein's past, uh, you would have stealth sections where you could just throw a knife at someone, they would be dead or do a headshot on someone with a silenced pistol and continue incognito. But no, no sir or ma'am. Not the case in Wolfenstein Youngblood, because we need to slap in arbitrary leveling requirements in order to pad out this video game to no end. This game that would be two or three hours without it, because we need to make give people that artificial sense that they are... That they, you know, did something meaningful with their money by wasting it on Wolfenstein, on this new Wolfenstein thing. So, people have levels, and they can take, like, 15 headshots to kill, because you're arbitrarily not not the right level. And you didn't play enough of the boring, recycled, computer-generated side missions that are just mind-numbing. They just suck! The Wolfenstein Youngblood side missions and most of the main missions suck they're bad so the way that young blood is structured is you and your sister uh you play blaskowitz's daughters you're thrown into this opening tutorial section which is kind of your typical a to b wolfenstein level so it starts out fine enough and then you got to go to uh france you go to France, you got this hub area, you accept missions, and then from there, you go through the subway tunnels to select your area. So you select one of, uh, I there's like maybe five or six areas to go to in order to complete your objective. 
And so all of these side quests are just, like, boring. It's kill this guy, but they're halfway through this area, so you have to run through all of these random ad enemies that respawn to no end. You walk to one end of the area, killing absolutely everything. You start walking back, and all of the enemies respawn again. What's the point? What's the purpose? What's the point of killing anything if it's just going to respawn again? There isn't any. That's why I spent half of Wolfenstein Youngblood refusing to kill anything and just sprinting through the areas before they could kill me. Because there's no point. There really is no point at all in killing anything. Because it feels bad and everything is a bullet sponge because of the level stuff that they tacked on. And so these side missions, you get XP for doing them. They're the main way to get XP. You don't get much XP for killing things, which further disincentivizes you to kill anything in this first-person shooter video game that's supposed to be satisfying and about first-person shooting things. And so you get most of the XP for doing these side missions, and you're meant to basically mill them over and over because the main quest missions, the first slew of them you get are like five, ten levels above your current level there's no ramp up for the story missions it's just here are the story missions you oh you have to be five or ten levels higher than you are right now uh before you can actually feasibly do damage against anything that you're going to come up against here so uh you should probably do some side missions and the side missions are just like the like the crappy settlement missions in fallout 4 where they are randomly generated ad nauseum where they're just go to this point, kill this thing, go to this point, pick up this item. And you have to do that over and over in these areas. And like I said, there's only like six areas and they recycle them over and over. You start in the same spot. You go to the same locations. You pick up the thing or kill the guy. You go back to the subway, turn in the quest, pick up another quest, go to the same area. Go to the same location in that area or in a similar vicinity where all the enemies have respawned again. Pick up a bunch of microtransaction currency that they put in there for some reason. Why? Thankfully, they are very generous with the microtransaction currency that you can also purchase in the store. Oh, there's... There, I'm sorry. There's two currencies. I believe there's silver, which uh, I'm fairly certain you can buy with real money. Otherwise, there's... Some kind of bricks or some crap that you can only pay real money for, if I'm remembering right, in order to get garbage cosmetics for this 10-hour-long video game that if it didn't enact arbitrary level restrictions on you, if you could actually do the story missions out the gate, this game would go from 10 hours to 2 or 3. Not even. Garbage. Wolfenstein Youngblood is bad. And it baffles me that somehow there are uh, three games that were even worse on my list of worst games of 2019. I guess in Wolfenstein Youngblood's defense, the first person shooting was largely the same stuff that was in one and two other than the leveling stuff that made it less satisfying. So, you know, you could shoot things a lot and then stuff flies out, like blood flies out of the people that you're shooting, which is nice. Uh... And graphics are pretty decent. Uh, and that's about all I can say. Oh, also, 
the story in Wolfenstein Youngblood is garbage too. I'll try not to get into too much spoiler stuff here, just in case. Just in case you want to go back and play Wolfenstein 2 at some point in time, because I would recommend it. Did enjoy Wolfenstein 2. But Youngblood craps over Wolfenstein 2's story, because 2 sets the stage for a nice and climactic third entry in that series. A nice trilogy end cap to that franchise. And Youngblood takes place like 10 years after 2. And it's so frustrating because they reference things that did not happen in 2 that supposedly happened after 2. And I was like, I wanted to play that! Why are you saying these words right now? Because I wanted to play that in the Wolfenstein 2 video game. I didn't want you to just reference them in this garbage video game. I wanted to play them in a decent video game. So, also, Wolfenstein Youngblood leaves the universe off in a place where I could not care less for the setting that Wolfenstein 3 is left with right now, if they do make it. Because they they definitely left it off in a spot where it's like, oh, what are we going to do next? And I wanted to know what you were going to do next after 2. I don't want to know what you're going to do next after Youngblood. So, I think I screamed about Youngblood enough at this point. And we can move on to my third worst game of 2019. A game I had to review... The top three are, unfortunately, games I had to review. So I had to review some trash this year, or this past year, 2019. Anyway, number three, Fade to Silence is my third worst game of 2019. I believe this was an early access Steam game for a year or two, something like that. And then it eventually came out in 1.0 and released on consoles. And what is it? It is a third-person survival video game, and it is a bad one. One of the worst ones I've ever played, if I'm being honest. And I have played some trash. I have played Gary's Mod survival maps that were way more interesting and satisfying than this Fade to Silence crap is. This game is dripping with a lack of care and a lack of budget. It is nasty. It's a, like, winter landscape, right? And you're this dude who looks generic as all get out. He looks a lot like uh, Shadow of Mordor protagonist, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War. He's got, like, the same kind of tattered cloak. And, uh, like, the game is just nonsensical. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, You begin the game with a... um, like interaction with this weird spirit dude who taunts you and his voice acting that uh spirit evil spirit thing is the only good voice acting in the entire game and there's a decent amount of voice acting in this fade to silence video game too and it's all bad it's not good you have a daughter uh you come out of this cave right at the beginning of the game you fight a couple enemies and then boom your daughter's in peril or something so you fight some more enemies in this awkward herky jerky melee combat system that feels awful you save your daughter and then she skips and she goes yippee you saved me thank you so much and this game is going for a dark and gritty and gnarly and nasty tone and i believe it's rated m 
and this evil uh, spirit dude that follows you around is all, you know, like, you aren't going to win this, pal. You know, sadistic sounding. And then you've got this, your little daughter who you save, and she's like, yay, thank you so much. Dissonance, real bad dissonance there. And after you do that, you're supposed to do this base building. Uh, you've got the uh, that headquarters that you're sent out to right at the beginning of the game. It's kind of your base that you're supposed to use resources to build up. And you can build walls, and then you can build buildings, and you can build a carpenter station so that you can actually build real meaningful buildings and defenses for your base because, of course, your base gets attacked like every 20 minutes or so, so you have to run back to it and kill all the bad guys that are attacking it. And if they blow up any of your defenses, you got to repair those and get those back out again. And in order to do that, you need to have the resources. So you have to go out and slowly chop down trees and pick up the wood and hope your axe doesn't break before you can chop down the wood that you want. And you have to make sure you have the inventory space to carry it all. And then you slowly slog back to your base, deposit all the resources that you just picked up, and then slowly slog back out to where you were before so you can actually continue doing what you were supposed to do, which was go to these bases. That's how this video game is. It's like a weird... It's like the worst of survival games and the worst of weird open-world games where you've got a bunch of these outposts, basically, that you have to go to, kill a bunch of very difficult enemies in this very awkward third-person melee combat system that feels bad. And then you go up to these weird orifices in the ground and then you tap X on them and then they blow up. And then like sometimes these orifices will vomit up a wolf and then you can take the wolf back to your base in order to make a dog sled out of them so that you can travel just a tiny bit faster than you could before. It's a slog. It's mindless. It's boring. It's frustrating. It's stressful. A lot of A to B, a lot of praying that your inventory is big enough, and a lot of waiting. There's a lot of waiting, because whenever you whenever you start building a structure, you have to wait for it to finish. And before you can initiate building a structure, you have to make sure someone is there at your camp to build it. And in order to have people at your camp, you can only have like a maximum of five, because in this entire 10, 15-hour survival video game, there are five characters that you'll run across and you'll have to save them and you'll bring them back to your camp and then you can use them to build the structures in your base but you have to make sure they have food otherwise they're going to starve to death and then they're going to get mad and then they're going to die and then you're going to lose a meaningful way to craft stuff in this video game at your base yeah i i'm sure after hearing all of that you could not want to play this game any less, and that's exactly the point. Do not play Fade to Silence. Do not buy it. Do not support this kind of lazy game making. Don't do it. Survival games can be good, but Fade to Silence didn't know how to make, how to make one. So, that was the third worst game of 2019. We're in... The cream of the crap here, because we're in the two worst games that I played through. Like I said, also had to review these two. Number two, the second worst game of 2019, was the spiritual successor to Act Razor called Soul Seraph. 
Soul Seraph. S O L S E R A P H. The best thing I can say about Soul Seraph is that it reminded me that ActRaiser existed because Soul Seraph is worse in almost every and any conceivable way when compared to ActRaiser. ActRaiser was this wonderful, little, charming, surprisingly original RTS side scrolling hybrid video game where you would spend some sections as this little angel helping townsfolk, like striking lightning on enemies and making sure they're all happy and good and have all the structures they need. And then the other half was you controlling, you know, the god in regular flesh form, slashing at monsters and stuff in order to get to the end of the level. Soul Seraph tries to do the same thing. They're like, we're back, baby. We're doing Act Razor again, except it was better than what Soul Seraph is. It's this bad side-scrolling action hack and slash gameplay that's stiff feeling you can't attack unless your legs are planted and you're completely still it's also very stilted all of the animation work is awful all of the enemies are repeated over and over the boss fights are uninteresting and also very glitchy i clipped into things on multiple occasions i would uh exploit the bosses by standing just outside their hit range and just sorting them to death and also there's no real incentive to kill any of the enemies in the side-scrolling sections because you're just supposed to get to the end of them so you'll have a much better time uh if you instead of hacking and slashing all of them purposely run into them get hit and use that hit invincibility to just run through the next bevy of enemies because they're all a pain to deal with. You you get these magical powers, but none of them are very fun to play with. They also don't look great from an effect standpoint. And when you're not playing the bad side-scrolling sections, you're playing a mind-numbingly boring top-down tower defense. And it is similarly bad. It's similarly exploitable. It's also uninteresting. You control this little bird thingy flying above and you can place down towers and units in order to stop these encroaching monsters from getting to your base. But all of these structures and stuff that you can build are largely meaningless. And so the main path to success is just to whip out your lightning attack and just manually killing every single monster that's walking down the lane. You can also summon, uh, use your mana or whatever to summon a big beast thing that'll slow the other guys down a little bit. That's the best way to do it, is just manual intervention. There's no careful planning or, you know, strategizing that can get you through those top-down tower defensive sections. It's just use all your mana and strike them with your electricity. Over and over and over and over and over for three hours of this video game that are those three hours are the longest three hours of my 2019 potentially because they're so boring. They're so repetitive. They're so mind numbing. I'm sure I've said all those three words a lot during this top 10 worst list, but those words apply significantly to Soul Seraph. Should not have been made. Should not have been made. I could I could probably say fairly comfortably for all of these games, except for Untitled Goose Game, maybe that 
all of the games on this list should not have been made. So that brings us to number one, the final and worst game that I played in the year 2019. This is it. This is the wonderfully stinky, smelly, gooey turd on the top of this hard poop cake. And before I reveal it, Bev, please play me off while I drink some water to wet my whistle before I get my hands dirty. Okay. Thank you, Bev. Talking about games that suck can hurt your throat. Anyway, worst game of 2019. I have to give it to another fairly early 2019 release, which was Lost King's Lullaby. Lost King's Lullaby. I believe this is available on Switch and Steam, and it is almost the textbook definition of shovelware. Uh, review code for this one came my way back in, oh, I guess it wasn't, it wasn't too early in the year. Now that I look at the spreadsheet of the games that I played, um, it was April, mid-April that this one came my way. So Q1 of 2020, I'm sorry, 2019, but it was not a good way to end that first quarter because Lost King's Lullaby is just garbage. It's bad. It's really bad. It is a uh, side-scrolling roguelike of sorts, but I struggle to call it that because it's got none of the good stuff that Rogue had. None of it is presented to you in a fun way in Lost King's Lullaby. So the game's broken, first of all. Lost King's Lullaby is broken. So it's a 2D side-scrolling thing. Uh, you run left and right in these dungeons where every room is a rectangle and you can only really run left or right and there's like three enemies in every single one of these rectangles so you know exactly what you're getting into before you even do it and all of the game's areas are exactly the same despite being different backgrounds they're all rectangles and they all have two to four enemies in them and a lot of the enemies are repeated and they all do the same attacks but <clears throat> I played this on Switch. Okay, I'll get that get that out of the way right here. And when you walk across an enemy, right? When you walk left or right, run into an enemy in one of these rectangular rooms, what'll happen is the game will go to the separate screen that's basically Undertale's battle system. You control this little circular cursor on this uh, rectangular play field, and the enemy will attack you with a bunch of these like bullet hell type projectiles and you have to move your circular cursor away from them and you wait for a meter to charge up so that you can unleash a, an attack. And so basically you just avoid the enemy long enough, keep attacking, and then it'll eventually die. So you'll just have to arbitrarily memorize all of their you know attack patterns and then it's just basically a time limit at that point getting through the video game. It's just, okay, do you have the time to put into it because you memorized all these attacks? You do? Okay, move on with your life. And I am so glad I've been able to do that because Lost King's Lullaby and Switch had a very bad performance problem. The longer and longer you would play in one session, the worse and worse the frame rate got. This is not a technically demanding game. We're talking 
2D side-scrolling that's as flat as it gets. And the animation work isn't impressive either. Everything just, like, lurches and moves and wiggles in a way that 2D Flash animators would probably find insulting because, uh, similar to Liar Princess and the Blind Prince, I have played so many Flash games that look and animate better than Lost King's Lullaby does. So many. I struggle to think of one that animated worse than Lost King's Lullaby, if I'm being frank about it. But anyway, not technically demanding, but the Switch would just start chugging, and there must have been a memory leak or something, because you would shut off your system, do a restart, or close the game, reopen it, it would be fine. But... If you're playing for like 40 minutes, I think it was somewhere around 40, 45 minutes. I think I timed it at one point. The frame rate just got unplayably bad, which was really, really annoying in the combat sections because you're trying to move this circle away from the enemy's attacks, but the frame rate would get so bad that the attack would just hit you before you had any time to react because the next frame didn't appear on screen yet. And oops, sorry, the enemy attack was already there and you got hit, bucko. So, normally, that would be easily, you know, worked around by saving your game, quitting, maybe powering off, powering back on, going back in. But the problem is that each of the game's four worlds has to be completed beginning to end without breaks or stops. There's no saving and quitting. Not while you're in the middle of one of these, you know, 50 to an hour long worlds or areas. There's no saving your progress and quitting out of the game. So you would get to the final boss of that area because each area had a final boss and you just have to put up with the atrocious frame rate. You might as well chalked up the first five fights against that final boss fight as losses because you just try to figure out what kind of attacks they're throwing at you in this awful, framey, stuttery mess of a frame rate. So bad, almost unplayable. It was unplayable. I'll say it. It was unplayable. Bad. And every final boss encounter in every one of the areas was like this. Atrocious. Unforgivable. Make sure your game functions before you put it out on the store, please. Another bad situation I ran into while playing Lost King's Lullaby is that this is pseudo-roguelike, so you've got the four areas of rectangular rooms that you run through left and right, left and right, beat the final boss, move to the next one. And, uh, when you die, you get sent back to the beginning, so you have to go through all of these four worlds again uh, from the beginning, but you also collect currency with every enemy you kill, and you get to use that currency to upgrade your stuff. And so you can do stuff like make your meter charge a little faster before doing an attack or something like that. I don't even remember. But the problem is that the first time you die, the game initiates a tutorial for you to level your stuff up, right? So you go to this one building, you hit up the skill tree, and then you are supposed to start pumping your points into stuff to level it up. My problem was that the game, I died my first time, uh, of course, and the game tells me, okay, go into this building, I go into the building, and then it's like, put skill points in. And so I'm pressing the things to put skill points in, and nothing's happening. I look at how much the leveling up stuff costs, I have more than enough, I click on it, nothing happens. So I leave the hub area, come back, try again. 
nothing happens. But the tutorial's still on the screen. It's like, enter the building, level your stuff up. Enter the building, level your stuff up. And I'm just at a loss because I go in and out of the building. I go in and out of the hub area. I go into the level and purposely die again. And I'm not able to level any of my stuff up. I can't do it. And so the first half of this video game, I suffered through only being able to have the base stuff, not being able to level up at all, which made my suffering all the more awful, all the more unbearable. Because I, I was staring in the face the ability to get through this game with slightly less friction and slightly more quick, slightly quicker. And I just couldn't do it. The game was telling me to do it, but it wouldn't let me. Uh, after that point, I believe what I had to do was do a completely hard shutdown of my Switch. Do a complete reboot. And then went into the game. And then tried to go into the skill tree again. And then the stupid tutorial, uh, stupid tutorial pop-ups finally went away. Because I could finally put skill points into my stupid skill tree. Finally. Thank you, Lost King's Lullaby, for being what might have been the most frustrating experience I had in 2019. And why it was the worst game I had to play in 2019. Uh, to add to that, the game has a story, but is, it is completely incomprehensible because it is chock full of translation errors. Uh, there are typos galore. So, uh, the translation problems, you know, are only a problem to some extent because the people typed in the words completely awfully and you couldn't even make out what it said if it was translated well. And, uh, when it isn't full of typos, it's just nonsensical. It doesn't make sense because it's not English. It's just words splattered across the screen. And that is throughout the entire game. I don't know if there is a single screen that did not A, have a spelling mistake or B, not make sense because of bad translation. It is, without a doubt, Lost King's Lullaby, one of the worst games I have ever played, if not the worst. And that it is that is why it totally takes the top spot as my personal worst game of 2019. I played 54 2019 video games beginning to end in Lost King's Lullaby was the worst one. Congratulations, Lost King's Lullaby. You are the 2%. The 2% of the worst video games i played. You know, I played through, uh, in total, 109 video games in 2019. I would say it was a pretty good year. I was able to knock a couple things off my backlog. Uh, I got a VR headset, and I was able to dip into that catalog and have a lot of fun. Uh exposed to a lot of different experiences that way got a handful of platinums in 2019 as well which is always nice to see nice to have nice to continue growing that number but out of those 109 games i can very confidently say that lost king's lullaby was the worst of all the games i played last year and it came out last year so lost king's lullaby worst game of 2019 why not do a nice little wrap-up for you all here? Thank you all for suffering through nearly an hour of me, or an hour plus of me, talking about 
the bad video games I played. A negative Nelly Fest. But there were a lot of great games in 2019 that I did enjoy. I figured I would just take the opportunity to talk about the ones that I had to play through or that I was stupid enough to play through and were very bad. So, top 10 worst games of 2019. We've got Anthem at 10, Untitled Goose Game, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 at 8, Megalith Crackdown 3, The Liar Princess and the Blind Prince at number 5, Wolfenstein Youngblood at number 4, Fade to Silence. It's a disgusting video game at number 3, Soul Seraph, a severe lack and waste of fun at number 2, and number 1, Lost King's Lullaby, which has no excuse to exist. So, once again, thank you all for suffering through this episode of The Bootleg Bar as I looked back and reminisced about my pain that I experienced in 2019. But in the meantime, let's look forward to a 2020 where we don't have to play as many bad games. So, with that, here's to a great 2019 and an even better 2020. <laughs>